It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Old Lady Speaks podcast on Black and White and Red All Over. I'm your host, Danny, coming to you for episode 135. And if you want to listen to this episode, as well as our previous episodes, feel free to like and subscribe for now on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google, or Google Podcasts. Uh, we hopefully have some information for you guys coming up within the next few weeks regarding podcast feeds and all that. So we're, we'll remind you again uh, up front about that uh, if you do listen to us on apple Podcasts or spotify feel free to leave us a nice rating and or a review we've got a whole lot to talk about even though there's been all of one game since the last time we came to you guys so first let me bring in the crew here sam lopressi hello sam how's it going danny that's all right we've got chucks hello chucks hey howdy yeah let's uh Man, let's uh, get to the action, man. We got uh, good stuff to talk about and an actual victory uh, on the pitch and uh, a slight loss off the pitch with one of the players, as we'll Look talk at about. Look you alluding but, you know. to what we're talking about. Yeah, isn't that what they call a... Uh, foreshadowing. Yeah, foreshadowing the show business and uh, yes. yeah, all kinds of uh, mysterious stuff. So yeah, <laughs> let's, let's boogie. And we've got a full crew here today back from World Travels, Sergio Romero. Hello, Sergio. Hey, Phil, happy to be here as always. Uh, happy to to be back in a win in, in a weekend, which uh, Juventus actually wins the only competition that matters now, and, and it, it's, <laughs> it's it's a good good omen. That's right. Well, since you weren't here, Sergio, I'll throw it right back to you. You, you can start things off. Your uh, your takeaway from the week that was. 
it it kind of relates to what I just said that um, it's a weird season in the sense that only really cup competitions matter, and for you know most of the past decade plus, you know that that wasn't the case. We looked at you know the the copas, the sort of kind of fun thing to win and to be in the mix, but you know not really the biggest competition or the most important competition, and yet. Now that, you know, considering with all the the deductions and even more potential to that, I don't think so, but, you know, I'm, I'm sure we'll get into it. More deductions on the way, like Juventus is not winning the league. They're not sniffing any anything close to it. So it's kind of weird that now the Copa seems like the, the most achievable in a way, especially with the way that the results went. Really, you look at that final four and it feels like if you beat Inter in the semifinals, like you get a favorable matchup in the final. So it just, it, it's definitely weird. And it speaks to what being a Juventus fan has been for the last like three years that I'm genuinely, legitimately excited for for a Coppa Italia run. So that's the state of affairs, I guess. Ah, uh, yes, the, uh, the vaunted Coppa Italia where you don't need to have a win in the league to advance to the semifinals of the competition. How about that? So uh, <laughs> Sam, up next, what you got? This is a, a, a very specific takeaway, but sometimes simplicity is the best. In that we all saw on Thursday the uh, the the screaming of the, you know, and and the the papers were making a lot of it. The screaming at uh, Angel Di Maria that that Max Allegri was was having at the end of of that game because he he was trying to throw some fancy entry passes around late in the game, late in a one nothing game instead of keeping possession, making sure everything was safe. And this is the second time he's done this in Copa competition specifically. You know, he you remember he had that Rabona attempt towards the yes. end of the game against Monza when if he had just freaking hit the ball, he probably would have scored it. Instead, he just rabona and hit it right at the keeper instead. And I'm just sitting there going like, just win the game. Like, there's, there's all... I'm all for style, but sometimes you've got to just do the simple thing and get the win, uh, especially in the situation we're in right now. And I, 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 I can understand why Max was upset there. And, you know, cause now he, he just seems to be showing off for his own and he was showing off for his own enjoyment and the game was not nearly done. So yeah, you gotta keep it simple. All right, Chuck, no fancy back heels. What you got? <laughs> No, uh, I I echo that. I love simplicity in all in all areas of life. So yeah, definitely echo that uh, takeaway. Um, yeah, for me, you know, Coppa Italia, it's it's there for the taking. I mean, you look at all the teams that have gone out. Really, I mean, there's no uh, Roma, there's no Milan, no Napoli. I mean, it's really well, no Lazio now either. Uh, no Atalanta. You know, it's uh, I mean, it's there for the taking. Obviously, the game against Inter is going to be, or sorry, the games, uh, the first and second leg against Inter uh, are going to be very difficult. Uh, they're going to, I mean, they're in very good form, actually. And um, obviously, just coming off another another derby victory against Milan, where they just, I mean, comprehensively outplayed them. I looked at the stats. It was grim. <laughs> oh, it was grim reading there for on the stats uh, for Milan. I think their first shot of the entire game was after 60 minutes. Which is just, man, oh, how the mighty have fallen. But um, yeah, I mean, the Coppa Italia, it's there for the taking. I think, realistically speaking, 
the winner of the competition will be from our game. So basically, Inter or Juve, I mean, I think you can say it realistically, the winner is going to come from that tie. So, yeah, I mean, this, you know, this is it in what has been an obviously very uh, emotionally uh, volatile season. Um, I think this would be just a very necessary dose of just positivity, even though, again, Coppa Italia is one of those competitions, or I should say cup competitions in general, um, except maybe the FA Cup. I feel like that has a bit more gravity to it. But domestic cup competitions anyway, usually are those, you know, we always make the joke of nobody cares about it until they win it <laughs> kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, it, it really is one of those things where it's like, oh, nobody cares about Coppa Italia, but we won it. <laughs> hey. Um, so, but I mean, I, I personally place a lot of importance on it. And I mean, I generally have valued the cup, the cup competition. Um, I generally just thought, you know, go for it. Yeah, I mean, play squad players you know, in the earlier rounds. But in general, I've always thought it like the Coppa Italia is like, yeah, you know, go for it. Like, I I don't look down on it. I consider it a title or, you know, a, a worthy piece of silverware. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's we can definitely win it this year. And I think it would be obviously given just the whole point deduction ordeal. Um, it might be actually very necessary for us to win it to at least get some European uh, football next year. So um, yeah, let's 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 do it. Let's go for it. I think the reason that the Coppa is so maligned in Italy, as opposed to a place like the UK that has the the FA Cup, is that the the current format of the Coppa Italia is so dramatically skewed towards the top sides. Oh uh, yeah, that you know the the whole idea of the FA Cup being you know you know the third tier team can could shock Manchester United. Well, that's because Manchester United are actually made to play more games. Those lower sides are are give, are afforded more of an opportunity to to make those those plays. Whereas in the Culpa, everything is just so geared towards just funneling that trophy to the towards the top sides that it it, it makes for makes for a less compelling competition. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, you've got Cremonese in the semifinals right now. That's insane. Uh, I remember a few years ago, this was, when was this, 2015 or 2016? Alessandria was in Serie C and made it all the way to the semifinals and then ended up losing to AC Milan. But yeah, it, like you, those are so few and far between that it, it's it's not as compelling to watch. It is strange because, you know, again, as you mentioned, I mean, the key thing there you mentioned of like, the English teams then playing more games as a result of the FA Cup being a little more, uh, I guess, egalitarian. Uh, but then, you know, the biggest complaint of English clubs and English coaches and English players is just, you know, how many games they play uh, every season or just playing too many games. So, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, I, I agree. I would like the Copa to be more, I mean, just less predictable. I mean, I, it's, it is really, I mean, the last, last four to last eight, I mean, yeah, you know, it's going to be basically, Serie A teams, maybe one Serie B, B team, but that's about it. But then, yeah, I mean, as a result of it being more, or in order for it to be more egalitarian, you would then have to force the big clubs to play more games, which they would probably grumble at. And I mean, rightly so. Calendar is packed already uh, for most players. So uh, yeah, it's it, it just depends what you want, I guess. And 
what trade-off are you willing to make? Indeed, and we will talk a little more Copa Italia in a little bit here uh, following Juventus' quarterfinal win over Lazio, the aforementioned win. That saw Juve advance to the semifinals where they will face Inter over the course of two legs in April. But we will uh, begin this week, uh, the body of the show, with uh, our old buddy Paul Pogba, because unfortunately Paul Pogba was not able to take part in said Copa Italia quarterfinal against Lazio, and that's because Mr. Paul Pogba is apparently hurt again. And depending on what you want to actually believe or not, which considering the source of, of, of things, it wasn't exactly one to necessarily believe, but it's another check on, on the list of things that have gone wrong for Paul Pogba since he's come back to Juventus. And I mean, we're sitting here now the first weekend of February and still Sergio and I can say that we were in the house for Paul Pogba's only appearance as a Juventus player this season. And that wasn't even an official game. So uh, I actually want to start this discussion about Paul Pogba with change it up a little bit and have one of our Twitter questions about Paul Pogba start the discussion here. And it's from our buddy, David Desberg at the true ROAC. When do you think Paul Pogba will first feature for Juventus? And how long will it take after that for him to be out for the rest of the season? <laughs> to be fair, what a performance that was in the biggest friendly though. I mean, really, really good. Fantastic game. 45 minutes, Sergio. It's just exactly what you want for, from a guy with that budget, with that, with that salary for sure. I mean, everything you wanted. You look at him and then you look at, I'll, I'll get to David's question in a second. Where you look at him and then you look at what Paolo Dybala has done for Roma. And you just, you, you, you want to bang your head into the wall. Cause good God, that was, that, 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 that was just pathetic. You know, they'll, they, they say that his, uh, they say they're now targeting the first leg against Nantes yeah. for him. I'll say that he plays as a sub in that game and then plays as a sub in the next league game and then ends up injured again. So two games. Yeah, I, you know, I, that's not completely uh, out of the question. <laughs> I think that's probably what we're looking at. I mean, you know, Allegri, you know, he was very cautious with bringing in Chiesa back, which I thought was was fine, which I thought was the, the right choice to make. Um, he's probably going to do the same thing with Pogba. But, you know, at this point, you really have to, you know, your confidence on his fitness has, has to be at an all-time low. I mean, and then, you know, the, the most recent injury is reported as a muscle thing. You know, some people were like, well, it's normal. He's coming off, you know, an injury, you know, just getting back into training. It's probably normal. But I don't know. At this point, I, I think the, the the benefit of the doubt is is kind of gone with him. So, especially given the at the the last season and a half that he had at Manchester United. Yeah, exactly. Like we all knew he was a risk. I, I don't think anyone was coming in, you know, in, into this deal with with their eyes closed. I think we all knew that the risk that was involved in signing a guy like him, super talented, but you know, had his injury of his history of of injury concerns, even. You know, I, I think this is by far the worst case scenario. I really do. Like, just not even one game. We're sitting here in February and thinking, hey, if he can get 10 games in for the rest of the season, I call it a win at this point. Like, if he can play 10 matches in 2023, I'm, I'm happy with his year. And that's an extremely, extremely low bar for a guy that they devoted a not insignificant amount of resources. And a guy that, 
was a big part of, of, of this supposedly kind of new Allegri Juventus. So it's it, it really has gone pretty much as bad as, as it could have gone with him. And that's 10 appearances, right? Not even 10 starts. Oh, no. 10 starts is like, I'm, I mean, I'm calling the contract a, a complete win if he plays 10 starts. Like, I mean, <laughs> I think 10 appearances is 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 really what I'm, I'm aiming for here. Well, so when I heard that question first, my initial reaction was indeed the same uh, level of pessimism as, uh, you know, Sir Jones Sam here. Uh, but to temper that a little bit. In fairness, and this is, I guess, an advantage of, uh, as I you know spoke to or spoke about a little earlier, of just how many games professional footballers uh, at the highest level play every season with the schedule being so packed and packed with games. Uh, the good, the advantage of that is that, well, you know, you can have a player miss what, six, seven months and still come back and still actually have time to play a decent number of games. So, you know, I'm looking at the calendar here. So we've played 20 games in the league. So that leaves 18 games remaining in the league. Then at least two Coppa Italia games. Uh, let's say we make it to the final. So let's, let's say three there. So that's 18 plus three. So that's 21. And then Europa League, at least two games. So that'll be 23. And then I don't know if we make it far. So let's say 25 to 27 games or so we have remaining. From now until, well, let's see, that's uh, about June. Yeah, about June-ish. From now till, so from over the next four months, we have about 25 to 27 games. If he can play, I think, honestly, he could make, yeah, I mean, 12 games or so, I think. Um, I think he could have, at le- like, at least half of those be starts. So, yeah, so, like, I mean, I'm looking at roughly half of the games remaining from now to the end of the season. So, yeah, that's, I mean, again, 12 to 13-ish that I think he will appear in. Uh, so, you know, again, the appearances thing. And I mean, I think he can have six to seven starts. Because again, it's from now till like June-ish and yeah, 20-something games. So yeah, I mean, that's kind of my back of the envelope uh, calculation there. Well, to to be fair, we were sitting in here at the end of October expecting him to be back by now. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. you know, Sergio mentioned kind of you know, the, the line of this is something that happens before with this kind of injury. And, you know, we've seen a few minor things with Federico Chiesa pop up as, as he's come back from his his knee surgery. But this is like, what, the second or third muscle injury that Pogba's suffered since his knee injury? Because there was a one right before the World Cup break. And then I think there was another maybe minor thing over the World Cup break itself. And then now there's this one. So I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm kind of in Sergio's camp where if, if Juventus get 10 appearances out of Paul Pogba, no matter if it's 25 games left, 30, 35, who knows, with the Europa League, having him in a third of them seems like a win at this point because he hasn't shown us that he can stay healthy at all. I mean, it's just one thing after another, whether it's the, the initial meniscus injury, whether it's uh, you know putting off surgery, whether it's getting surgery, then a hamstring injury that rules him out of the World Cup, then it's a, another muscle injury in January, and now this one. It's just it's frustrating, man. And 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 what makes it more frustrating? You you said it. You're, you said it right there, Danny. The the surgery decision and the timing just makes this so much worse because he could have had all of this recovery process out of the way even before you know well before the World Cup was over. Uh, well well before the World Cup began. 
if he had just had the damn surgery in August. And instead, he, you know, he he wasted a month doing something that I think everybody, except for, I, I don't know how many people were telling him to do this conservative treatment that he did. It has to be a small number. <laughs> but you, I, you know, I don't think anybody's going to to uh, fess up to it at this point. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it, it has to be a small number. And if he had listened to anybody but that small number. We wouldn't be talking about we well, we might be talking about another injury, but we wouldn't be talking about this one right now still after all this time. And and maybe we would have actually gotten some value out of him in this season, you know, because unless you know, unless he comes in and, and wins both of the cup competitions single handedly, you're not you know, this is 100 percent a lost year. Yeah, and it's it's frustrating, too, because now that Juve is fully on a cop a cup team both in Europa League and in the Coppa Italia, you know, those generally cup competitions, you know, league is more about the flow, about the rhythm, about being consistent, right? Because you, you play so many matches, it's it, that's the most important thing. But in cup matches, it's just if you are talented, if you have talented guys, if you have talented players, you know, those matchups, because there are just two games, one, you know, two legs, a, a difference maker, a very talented player can definitely turn a, a leg around or round around. And, you know, to have the idea of a Paul Pogba coming back and suddenly you have one of the, you know, when healthy, I'd say arguably one of the top 10 best midfielders in the world. That is something that can definitely change, you know, an outlook on a cup competition. So we should be super excited of him, you know, coming back. But with all of this, it just kind of threw a, a bucket of cold water into that. Like, I just don't have, like you guys said, like, I don't have any trust that he's going to play a any sort of meaningful role in the season at all like 10 appearances sure but how many of those appearances could be meaningful like half i mean you know it's it's just it's tough it's tough considering the expectations that a guy like like that had especially with his wages and with the history that that he had with juventus everyone was kind of really rooting for for him to to be able to be that guy again and it just hasn't turned out i mean when when rumors are pointing towards you know, Juventus is looking to cancel his contract, which I know it's like now reports suggest that they're not, and I don't think they will. But just the fact that those things are out there, like those conversations are out there, it's 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 pretty much like like I said, the worst possible case scenario with with Pogba coming back to Juve. And, and this time around, he was physically on the bench against Monza in the league fixture. He was warming up, and then the next day, it's like. He probably pulled the thing while it was warming up, like because I was wondering why he wasn't on. Like that was one of the bigger mysteries of that game to me, why he didn't come on in that situation when he would have when his presence would have been exponentially useful. And now it it you makes me wonder, you know, the end of the half we saw, you know, they were there was that very prominent shot at the end of the first half against Monza of Pogba warming up by the corner. So. My, the only conclusion I can draw is that he hurt himself while he was warming up because otherwise that's a game that you have to throw Pogba onto. And I mean, at the end of the day, you know, we're talking about, okay, what's the contribution he can still provide for the team this year? As you said, Sergio, I mean, the cups, uh, the cups, that's where it's at now. And I mean, if he can be a hundred percent fit for the two games against Inter, 
and hopefully the final, hopefully. And okay, I mean, not hopefully we won't need him for that, but <laughs> subsequent, uh, God forbid, we actually need him against against them there. But um, and the subsequent, hopefully, then subsequent Europa League games, if he can be fit for the big Europa League games and the Coppa Italia games, I mean, yeah, I mean that again. That's where the biggest value for us is going to come from. You know, win the Coppa Italia, and then you have Europa League spot. Win the Europa League. And you have a Champions League spot. So that's, I mean, that's kind of the biggest value for the club right now. So, yeah, that's where I'm hoping he can be uh, 100% match fit for. Until UEFA takes it all away, right, Chuck? Uh, indeed. indeed. Yeah, that's I was going to say yeah, that. You know, but but I mean. I'm also, I, I am not so quick to just dismiss league games as eh. Because if the second, you you mentioned this earlier, Sergio. If the second half of this investigation comes down with the with the salary payments, which, by the way, is eminently more provable than everything about plus Valenza, you're going to look at another point penalty. I saw one report this week say that they're that the number that the prosecutor's office is going to ask for is something like 20. You need to have a you need to be winning these the, the these league games because you're going to want unless the first points penalty does get reversed, you're going to really be needing a buffer zone between yourself and the drop for this second points penalty. Here's 19th place Juventus on three points. Yeah. You need to have a buffer zone to make sure that, that, that when that penalty comes down, you're not going to set a B next year. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, unless we win the Europa League and relegate, that'd be hilarious. I was, that, I was just about to say this. Like, I was going to say that 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 Sergio scenario. Why did you steal that from him? Ninety-nine percent of me does not want that to happen. But like that one percent is like, how fun would it be if they win the Europa League and are like technically in the Champions League, but also playing Serie B? That'd be, that'd be fun. I mean, that'd be kind of fun. I don't want it to happen, but it's kind of fun if you think about it. But how would how would it work in the group stage draw? Would they be in because they've been in pot two the last few years? Would they be pot three or four in that case? I, I think they always it's like a like a mix of your results. Like it's not like the champs are in pot A and, and it's, it's like they, they do a, a mix of, of your latest results in Europe and then average that and that's if, how if it, you win Europa League, you're in pot A. Oh, oh right. yes, of course. Yeah. 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 yeah, of course. I forgot. No, if you yeah. if you win Europa League, you're in pot A. Yeah, yeah. Area B bound Juventus as in the pot. <laughs> that'd be that'd be dope. that'd be dope. Yeah. 
Yeah, I remember Eintracht Frankfurt were part A. Quite a pitch to make to players, too. It's like, hey, you're going to play in Europe. <laughs> hey, we're in Serie B, but we could play the Champions League. Also in Serie B, <laughs> but, you know, you, you, you get Champions League, too. So how about it? Join us. God. God, I can only I can only imagine what the roster would be like if they're in if they're in Serie B, yet they're in the Champions League. Like, are we going to have, you know, a, a payroll this exorbitant like we used to? Nah, probably not. But here comes Juventus opening the Champions League group stage with, I don't know, guys 23 and 22 years old, and then Paul Pogba and a, a couple other guys. A couple other guys. Like, I, I, you know, I get the feeling they get one guy to stay, like probably Chiesa. And then, you know, you get like the, the Cristiano Zanettis of the world. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever his equivalent is now. Yeah, no, I mean that's why I'm trying to think of right now. Who would be kind of the 2023 equivalent of Cristiano Zanetti? I don't know. I man, I can tell. Yeah, the wheels are spinning, and that's going to be something that hits me about five minutes after we stop recording. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, let's uh, since we've we've talked some Pogba. Anything anything else anybody wants to say about Paul Paul Pogba before we uh, before we kind of transition here a little bit? I told you so. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, I mean, it's who knows. No, actually, no, no. I, don't, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, we we the, all we all. I mean, we all could basically say, "I told you so," because we were. Yeah. We were all talking about the the massive risk that Juventus was taking with him, just based on his injury history at United the last few years. I mean, we. I can't remember if it was you, Sam, or maybe it was it was one of you two other guys, but. You know, you you did the kind of you went to transfermarket.com, you kind of did the compare and contrast. I think that was me. Paul, Paul Pogba's injury history and Paulo Dybala's injury history, and well, they're kind of sort of the same length. Yeah, Pogba was worse. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think the club would even like God forbid, worst case scenario where Pogba doesn't play a single minute this season, which I I mean, I don't think I don't think we'll get to that. You don't want to tempt the wrath of the don't tempt the wrath of the whatever from high atop yeah, the thing yeah. on that one. All right, that's just... yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, no, I mean that would just be. I mean, I know that I don't even really have the words to describe how absurd that would be, but I don't think even just referring to those clearly ridiculous rumors of you know or unfounded rumors of terminating his contract. Um, I don't think the club would even want to take such a hard PR slap in the face. To terminate his contract. I mean, it would just look bad. It would just look terrible. I mean, the situation already looks terrible. Um, and I think it's it would just look it would be such a tomato in your face just to to have to terminate, you know, his contract. So I, I don't think I think it would have to be pretty catastrophically bad. I I think maybe it would legit have to be where he doesn't play a single minute the entire season, but I don't think it will come to that. Well, he's currently on that pace now. Hey man, <laughs> he's got four months. <laughs> <laughs> all right well as we alluded to at the the beginning of the show we're going to talk a little copa tally before getting to a couple of twitter questions to wrap things up so uh as we said juventus into the copa italia semifinals with a with a win over Maurizio saris lazio a good old a good old buddy and his dad's used getting another take another l at the uh at the alliance so i guess the first thing that popped into my head when uh when i was thinking about this game to talk about on the pod today is what is it about Lazio that brings out the best in Juventus at least for 45 minutes. It's tough to say because 
you know, at the beginning of the game, it it started looking like we were about to have another one of those, you know, defend for the defend for 90 minutes on our own pitch type thing going on. I think it was a boost to us that Chiro Immobile was clearly not, if not not fit, at least at the very least, not sharp after coming back from that injury. And what what bugs me, though, about that game was, like you said, you know, for 45 for the about two thirds of the first half, Juve, we played. And, you know, we went after Lazio and really we had the better of that first half. And then it just looked like such a conscious decision in the second half to go 45 minutes for defense. Because, you know, recent history apparently teaches us nothing. <laughs> that was a risk, especially, you know, given, you know, that, that we never scored the second goal. You know, at least kill the game off before you decide to just play the ball with the ball in front of you for the for the rest of the game. Put a second goal in between you and the other team. This bugs me to this this idea that that the one is enough when so many times the last couple of years it hasn't been, especially for Allegri. Last couple of weeks. Last couple of weeks, it's been, you know, very much not enough to have the defense play that, you know, as well as they did and force the the Lazio attack into just such a flat posture. For the entire game, I mean, there were there were some dangerous moments, but at the end of the day, there was only one shot on target for the entire game for Lazio, and that was off of a direct free kick. So you can say, you know, yeah, we played it well, but it was a risky way to play it. And on another day, we would have gotten shellacked in that second half. And of of all the things to change that I want Max, you know, that I want Max Allegri to change, if he would just change it to defend after the second goal instead of defend after the first goal, I'd be a lot less pissed. It, I I, I, I want to see this team actually kill some games off instead of just white-knuckling it through a 1-0 lead. Well, relative to the disastrous uh, game against Monza, I guess uh, I'll, you know, <laughs> I'll take uh, any kind of improvement, uh, especially against, uh, as you as you mentioned, uh, uh, Sam, in your review, uh, just you know, based on how they completely dismantled uh, Milan, just uh, forget how long ago it was, uh, but yeah, it's about I guess ten days or, before that match, or, to, or to, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, you know, I look on that, uh, look on the bright side there. Um, I didn't actually see the game at the. Well, I was doing I had some other responsibilities, but I read the recap and uh, thank you, Sam, and uh, some extended highlights as well. And yeah, it did sound like it was a unspectacular game. And you know what, I think. After such a uh, again such a terrible game against Monza, I think that was almost kind of like the good type of game to have after that, like just a calm, pretty unspectacular win, and just kind of like okay, everybody can kind of kind of brings everybody's nerves down after just how you know how bad we how badly we lost against Monza, you know, just kind of I think it 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 was calming for me to have such a game. That said, hopefully against Salernitana, it's like okay. We've kind of calmed down. Now let's, you know, get really back into a good victory, like a comprehensive, convincing victory that was never like in doubt. You know, that's the type of game now I'm looking for on Tuesday. I think it is. Yeah, Tuesday um, against Salernitana. Kind of like what happened the last time against Salernitana, right? Oh, no. Well, it was eventful. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it was, was eventful. definitely eventful. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah, let's leave it with that. <laughs> 
Yeah, I I think like like Sam said, like ideally, I, I would I would love for Juventus to just build build a wall in the back once they have a two three goal lead. But you know, considering that you know the fact that going one up it, it is their mo, that's who they are. Like that's not they're not going to change. Like they've shown it all, all throughout the season. I was a little bit more you know pleased with the performance in the sense that it wasn't just a let's build a block in the back and then every time we get the ball back just kick it off and and start again, and let the other team start again like they were actually pretty dangerous in the counter like they held the ball pretty well at, at times in the second half i think that's that to me is a much more sustainable approach than when they just kind of decide to go defense and just punt the ball every single time they get it and allow the team to just go at them again and again and again and again. Like, I think if you can be defensive, but at the same time, be proactive when you actually have the ball and be aggressive on the counterattacks and have chances chances there, that to me is a much more sustainable approach. And, and they did it in the first game against Lazio. They did it in this game against Lazio. You know, when you could see a couple passes, you know, Sam talked about it, uh, earlier about, you know, if Di Maria maybe gets a little bit less fancy here and there, you know, Chiesa had a couple of chances too when when the last, you know, when the last uh, few last through passes could have ended up in goals. Moise Keane had a couple of chances, but I love Moise Keane as much as anyone, but like he's he, he's going to miss a couple of those every <laughs> time, like that's just who he is. Uh, but you can definitely see that Juventus was dangerous. Juventus was still kind of pushing for that second goal even though they were in a much more defensive shape. So if if they continue to be defensive like that, not just being completely reactive and not just completely giving the, the game away to the other team, but actually hitting them on the counter and actually being, I know it sounds counterintuitive, but being proactively in that defense, in that defensive form, I think that's a sustainable approach. And I think that's as good as it's going to get with Max Allegri in, in a lot of ways, because... He's not going to be an offensive coach. He's not going to be a modern coach. That's not who he is. But if he can be a defensive coach who can still be dangerous like that, I think that's as as good as it's going to get with with him as 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 the coach. And I was pleasantly bored and pleasantly surprised with that match. Like I thought that was a a boring but pretty convincing win. And isn't that you know what kind of Allegri promises you at his best, and and that they kind of delivered in in that game against Lazio? Pleasantly bored. I think that's a new one. Yeah, I mean that's look. This has not been the greatest of seasons, uh, so that's pretty much one of the the better things that I can say about this team. That was a great uh, nail on the head there. <laughs> yeah, it's like 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 Sergius. I mean, like we were just saying, like there wasn't there wasn't a ton to talk about in this. Game. <laughs> Rammer scored. Lazio didn't. That's the that's the could have saved a lot of words in your recap there, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I know. I guess the you know, speed up Rammer, just the two two players to um kind of commend again for their, you know, slow comebacks after a kind of a rough patch of form uh, are, you know, Bremer and uh Kostic. Kostic, you know, it's also uh, you know, since the World Cup, not you know, been fantastic and kind of a little dip in form after his, you know, really great starts to life at Juve. But yeah, he had a you know very good game, it seemed like. And uh, good to just kind of put that rough patch in form uh, behind him. And and likewise from Bremer. So uh, yeah, good to I mean, we said that We said back. that about Bremer the other day, uh, an episode or two ago. And then he pulled out another stinker against Monza. He's been so seesawed since he came back. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's got to find some consistency again. At least Juan Cuadrado's back. So Federico Chiesa isn't a wing back. Is that uh, 
Yeah, that's good. Is that a positive we're taking out of this one? I think so. Juan, I mean, to me, he still wasn't quite getting there, you, you know, trying to beat guys. Like, he's still really good if he, like, takes an early... His his early crosses are still dangerous. But if he's he's still having trouble taking on his man, and it's just, you know, he's he's getting old. There's, there's no way around it. And uh, it, it's good that he's there now for so that it doesn't cause problems with the rest of the the cascade effect of not having him on that that not having him has on the rest of the lineup is now gone is now over with. But I, I'm not as confident in him being able to get to pull out game change, you know, game changing performances as I have been in the past, because it really just looks like Father Time's gotten him. Yeah, it's it's it I agree. I don't think it, you know, prime Juan Cuadrado is walking through the door any any time of the day. But if Allegri seems to be intent and in, in continue to rely on him that much, I do think this wing back position kind of, you know, is his best fit at the moment. I, I liked him there better than earlier in the season when he was like this fullback hybrid that wasn't really all that effective going forward and super fragile defensively. Like, I do think if they're going to keep playing him, wing back is probably at this point in his career the, the best position for him you know that's that's the, the the one thing that i would add i don't think I, th- I think he's average there i think he's just an average guy at this point in his career there which is better than just pretty bad when he was playing fullback and just kind of like non-effective as a winger so if if he's going to continue to play this season which he definitely seems like he's going to I'm I'm fine with him being there as, as a wing back. Hopefully he, you know, a couple games in and then he can start, you know, get some some of that old Juan Cuadrado back in him. But if he's not, I, I considering everything, I take him as just an average guy. I know who Sergio doesn't want to see at right wing back. Yeah, no, I don't. <laughs> he shall not be named. <laughs> All right, with that, should we go to a couple of Twitter questions to wrap things up, gents? Edit. All right, first one from at Juventesi number one. How does Juve recover from this? I assume he means the point deduction. Uh, I know all clubs point do. Point deduction, the Monza loss. I mean, like. <laughs> I know all clubs do all these things, but we got in trouble for it. So where do we go from here? Don't get in trouble again. <laughs> where we go from here is. Don't do anything that stupid ever again. Put yourself in as good a position for next season as you can and start with a clean slate next year. Get as clear of the relegation zone as you can for the next point penalty. Hope that the first point penalty gets wiped off and go as far as you can in these cup competitions because that that's all that you've got. You've just got to you've got to put yourself in the best possible position for next seats for next season and hope that next season is the only season that you have to spend you know building back up to that place as opposed to you know having to take two or three years just to get back to top four level and then make the next jump again yeah i mean you have to you know it's the old saying of hope for the best plan for the worst you basically have to assume the worst at this point um that so the worst being the 15 point deduction will not be overturned and even a further, you know, deduction to be imposed on the club. So yeah, you have to plan for the worst, uh, which 
would be that, which just basically means, I mean, it's so cliche to say, but I mean, every game is a must-win game, uh, just without, you know, in the league. You know, I I, I will say uh, just generally throughout this episode, I've probably emphasized the cup cups, I should say, uh, cups a lot, but kind of thinking about it now again, okay, maybe, yeah, maybe focus should really be more on the league. I don't know. It's hard to, it's, I don't know. I just go back and forth, man. I mean, because again, I mean, the, the, the cup, both cups are a way to get into either Europa League or Champions League next year. But I mean, it might be a moot point if you, if you're in a Serie B, you know. So it's it, it's tough. I yeah, I change my mind every time I think about it. So yeah, I mean, every game in the league is for sure must win. I mean, what is what is that magical number? 40, 40, 45 points or something to be safe from relegation. At this thing stand right now, that means it will be. I mean, was it seventeen? ish additional 17 plus 5 17 to 25 points or so additionally i hope i'm doing my math right there um (laughs) but yeah if there's a further point deduction i'll be i don't know add another 30 points to that or something because we would be deducted uh or sorry 20 points if we're deducted another 20 points so it's yeah it's just there's so much uncertainty that you basically have to treat every league game as a just absolute must-win game there's really yeah again plan for the worst and just hope hope that is not as bad as the worst. Yeah, I just, you know, not not to repeat what you guys already said. Like to me, just put this whole thing behind this season. You know, I, I just I, I just want for this season, like the Serie A season is gone, is over. Just stay out of relegation issues and don't let this thing carry over to next season and continue to be a, a distraction. Like you cleaned house, the board is gone. You know, take your punishment, be it another 20 point reduction, be it like a financial fine, like whatever it is that it may be, just don't let it continue to be a thing that kind of looms over the club, like this shadow that's looming off the club, because that's number one for the guys that are already here. Like, I'm sure that's super distracting, like that's not really helping, you know, the the issues on the field. And it's going to hamstring you if, if, the, if you continue for this to continue as an issue, you know, you get into the summer transfer market and you know if you try to convince guys to come in who's going to want to come to play if you know that there's a chance that you know you could potentially be getting more point deductions in the future or fines or something like not you know you're suddenly no longer a destination club so i just hope that that this whole thing can be resolved in in this season take the point deduction like like sam said don't do any more illegal stuff and and move forward from here all right, uh, Joshua Fontaine at Philal. I can never say it. Philal Juve fan submitted a pair of questions. So we'll go with the first one that kind of goes off what we were just talking about. Do you think there is any value in keeping Max Allegri till the end of the season just to hold stability in this crazy storm Juve is going through? Or would you say it's better to sack him immediately? Well, I mean, I would say keep him to the end of the season at least, just given the amount of instability and then and, and just chaos going on this season. I mean, just keep him till the end of the season. Frankly, I think it'll take something that moves heaven and earth to for the club to sack him before the end of the season anyway. So I'm not even really entertaining that thought. But yeah, for the sake of stability, keep him to the end of the season. And yeah, I mean, in the summer, I mean, that's when I would say you probably want to look for someone else. I mean, I think, I think just this brand of football, just this kind of, you know, yeah, this this Allegri style football, as we talked about with the contrasting into Simeone at Atletico Atletico de Madrid, 
it's I just feel like it's run its course. You know, I think it's just outdated and it's uh it's not it's not even really effective anymore. I mean it, it's just yeah, it's just not, I think, for the future of this club and just with the kind of cleansing we're doing with the club, I think not necessarily have anything against him, but just I think that style of football is just it's just not it anymore. So yeah, I mean in the summer probably move on, but yeah, keep him until the end of the season. Yeah, it's been two years of this. I think that's enough. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't mind him getting fired with, you know, more alacrity than the end of the year. I mean, you were saying, you know, something really dramatic. Well, letting Monza do the double on you is pretty damn <laughs> dramatic in my book. Yeah. I get the idea for stability, but sometimes stability for its own sake is not necessarily the best thing. Because if you're, if what is providing the stability is also just not providing the proper results in the first place, why stay with it? Slightly a manager's version of the eternal debate in Italy of give the kids, give younger players a chance to play versus versus older guys. You know, it's the the older guys are the stability, but sometimes you need more than stability. Sometimes you need to to rattle the, to, you know, to throw a chair every now and then. And I I wouldn't mind it happening, but odds are we're, we're we've got him until the, until the end of the season. And then hopefully the new, the new board decides to bring in their own coach. Yeah. Yeah. Same 100%. I, I think, you know, I never really bought that after, especially the, the champions league debacle and the first crazy that we have to say the first months of defeat, but the first months of defeat, that, <laughs> that, was the, that was by far the lowest point in the season. And once they stuck by him at that point, like it was always going to be, he's going to finish the season and then you figure it out in the summer. But I think at this point, unless Allegri somehow wins the, you know, the Copa and the Europa League or something crazy like that, I do think his job is very much in jeopardy just because the guys that hired him and that stood by him and that defended him through through everything that has gone through the season, you know, they're, they're gone. So it, it happens in every sport, like they clean house and the guys that stay there, you know, the, the guys that were hired by the previous regime, they're immediately in the hot seat because they're not the guys that, that were chosen by the current board. So like I said, like I almost be willing to bet that unless he goes on these runs and, and, you know, wins the Copa, maybe not even if he only wins the Copa, like I think Europa League is, is really the thing that's going to make or break his job. Like unless he goes on a run and, wins the whole damn thing i really do think they're gonna they're gonna let him go once the season ends because he's just not the guy that you know the new board chose and i I bet they'd rather start a new and if he's not really giving you results then why keep him on so i i'm i 100 agree i think he's gonna stay for this season i really really don't see a scenario in which he gets fired during the season but in the summer unless he manages to go on a incredible cup run i think he's he, he he might be he might be gone the big x factor here is john elkin because he has seemingly been putting a little bit more of a of a toe into the juventus pool than he usually does and he has been excessive in his praise of allegri to the point where it it seems possible that he looks that he might look at the board and say, I am the ultimate boss here and I want you to keep Allegri. You you kind of get that feeling a little bit, right? Because yeah. 
because those, especially the the kind of the higher ups in the new board, they're basically guys that Elkin has worked with beforehand. So it's yeah. like, is John Elkin essentially the new president or kind of president whatever is above president? Um, yeah, Emperor. Even even though he's not really like, there yeah, in the title. The the he he's the man behind the curtain. Yeah, he's no longer just business daddy. Yeah, I I I I'm getting that feeling, and that might be that might start to become an X factor here, and he might just be doing it because he doesn't want to pay the dead money on the contract, which is entirely possible given the fact that he seems to be trying to tighten up the ship as a the the club as a as a business entity with this new board, but. Yeah, it, it's it. That's an X factor that I, I I wonder what it's going to end up being like. All right, second question here from Joshua to wrap things up uh, quickly. Uh, do you think? And I I think this is kind of off the back of what happened in the Milan Derby earlier today. Do you like offside decisions the way they are now, or would you rather it be like Arsene Wenger's just idea, where as long as any part of you that can't score is onside, you're good? Or do you guys have any other ideas? I mean, I'm on the record on this podcast and in a lot of my game recaps as talking about how stupid I think it is where, you know, the 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 toenail offside rule is. And that that call on Lautaro, like and you look at the semi you look at the semi automated offside thing and it's like a splotch. It is so minimal. You cannot tell me that a person has an advantage based on about four centimeters of his shoulder being over the line. That's ridiculous. The, the, the rule was made to make sure that the attacking player did not have an unfair advantage over, over the defenders. That is not an unfair advantage. This rule has needed to be changed for a long time. Arsene Wenger's idea is the best that I've seen. And I don't know if I'm smarter to come up with, uh, smart enough to come up with something better on my own. So I would go with his suggestion unless somebody came up with something that I thought was better. But yeah, this, this rule has to be changed because my God, that was, I mean, that was, it was pathetic, really. It was like four centimeters of his shoulder and like his cheek. Yeah. I think the commentator made a joke of like, well, if he had just shaved his uh, eyebrows, then yeah. he would have been on site. <laughs> Which, uh, well, yeah. thank God uh, Agnelli doesn't play uh, football anymore because brother's eyebrows are uh, <laughs> are, uh, are, has, are the size of half my house. Uh, yeah, no. it's, it's like I'm, I'm looking at that picture right now. The screenshot yeah. is absolutely hilarious. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it was an absurd decision. Uh, so the general framework i guess of thought uh that i apply to you know laws in football and, and really laws just in society and government and all that is really two things but the main thing being what is the spirit of the law like what is the real intention of the law and then kind of as a sub note of that why was the law created like what was what was the original cause of it so you know you look at the offside rule and well Kind of answering both questions in one here really the rule the, the the reason and the general spirit of that law was hey we don't want people hanging out next to the goalkeeper and then you know just chilling there and then a long ball comes in oh, basically I got like kids do in, in under eight soccer and just cherry right. pick the whole time 
Yeah, yeah. That was the original intention behind the law, and that was the spirit of that law, right? Just like let's not have people just kind of you know dilly dallying, you know, having a cup of coffee, uh, you know, <laughs> chatting up the goalkeeper, being like, yeah, yeah, he saw he saw Game of Thrones last night, <laughs> yeah, brilliant, yeah, <laughs> um, and then be like, oh, there comes the ball, got it, you know, no, you you don't want that, right? So that's the general spirit of the law. And then you look at how it's applied now is, you know, is the way it's applied now, does that align with the spirit of the law? Nowadays, absolutely not. I mean, just, you know, again, just the Lataro decision. I mean, it's, 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 it's absurd. I mean, it, it completely goes against what the law is intended for. So, I mean, how do we change it? Does it need to be changed? I mean, yes, but again, it's, I don't want to just change laws just for the sake of just like, Okay, let's change it to this now. Let's change it to that now. I really like if we're going to change that law, really need to look at okay, what again, what was this general intention of the law and why was it very like created at the first, at first, and then stick as closely to those two things as possible. I think that's the only way you can really solve the issue. And, and you know, more than anything, I, I remember back in, you know, pre VAR days, pre semi outside semi-automated offside whatever which is another just like god we've become technocrats in this sport it's absolutely just crazy but anyway before those days um i remember the general rule was like or well it was benefit of the benefit of the doubt to the attacking team right like if it looks level ish the benefit of the doubt should go to the attacking team well again today that that decision with lataro i mean he was uh, that clearly that rule was also just gone i mean if they you know, hadn't in november before they put in the uh, the semi-automated offside i doubt that would have been called back yeah because yeah. they were draw they would have drawn the lines themselves and it wouldn't have gotten that insane and and i and that's i like that general like the i mean i guess rule rule of thumb of just you know if it looks level-ish then the benefit of the doubt should go to the attacker because i think that's in line with the spirit of the offside law which is again it's like the, in in such a case, if it looks just about level, if it's inches away, then clearly the attacker is not hanging out next to the goalkeeper, right? He's he's j- making a genuine attempt to be not behind the defensive line. He's making a gen- genuine attempt to be as a way close to not being offside as possible. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know really how to fix it, but I think just those those are general uh, yeah rules of thumb if we're gonna change it somehow like that's just general framework we should be looking at yeah agreed i think everything comes becomes out to var i think those type of millimetrical decisions you know in the days before var there was no ref calling it because you know if if it's like you guys said like if it's just one toenail like obviously it's impossible to make that call but once you bring in var like they are going to continue to call them and i find them as infuriating as anybody but you know it, it's part of it so unless like chuck said like they're willing to go into a a full complete re-engineering of how to apply those rules i think the the millimetrical dumb offsides are, are here to stay which is which is unfortunate because i think football is the only sport in which uh they favor the defense over the offense in those type of, of scenarios like we've seen every other league kind of move the rules around to make them Easy, to make it easier to score and football is the only one that kind of went the other way so uh, it is what it is but at this point I, i'd rather not not even get upset about it just the only thing i want is that they call it fair like they call it both ways the same and you know 
as long as you're playing by those rules, then those are the rules that you have to stay, abide by, even if I do think that they're pretty dumb. Exactly. Well, we appreciate all the Twitter questions and the discussion that came about it. So thank you all for that. We uh, always appreciate your Twitter questions. If you want to send them in, feel free to do so at Juventus Nation on the Twitter machine. Follow us there as well as on Facebook and Instagram. Search black and white and red all over. Same search tool for the time being. The last these next few weeks in February uh, for your favorite podcasting platform, whether that is Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Google Podcasts. If you do listen to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, feel free to give us a nice five, five, five star rating and or a review. We've gotten a couple of nice Apple Podcast reviews of late, so we appreciate those as well as the ratings. So for Sam, for Chucks, for Sergio and producer Couch, this is Dane saying thank you very much for listening and we'll talk to you guys next week.